Today on the Movie Talk Podcast, part one of my 2023 in review. Lots of movies to cover, so let's get into it. Okay, so part one is going to be everything I saw in 2023 that is not included in my top 25. My top 25 will be split up into parts two and three in the next few weeks. Um, We've got a lot to cover. I was originally going to talk about all the movies I missed, but if it's a movie that I don't mention today or in the next two episodes, I missed it. So let's get into it. I'm going to go as quick as I can, rapid fire, because we've got over 60 movies to cover. And um, and yeah, we're going to start with Bradley Cooper's Maestro. Super interesting stuff. I think the central failing of the movie to me is the quote it opens with, the Leonard Bernstein quote that goes, A work of art does not answer questions, it provokes them, and its essential meaning is in the tension between. I just think the movie fails to live up to that. Um, The movie does not really ask questions, and there isn't really central tension for meaning. I just felt it was kind of hollow and empty. And it's weird because I do like the idea of it. It's really subversive. It's borderline abstract. It's impressionistic. It is not at all your normal biopic. It's technically astounding. The direction is unbelievable. I mean, every single stylistic choice in this movie really works. The performances, um, Bradley Cooper, I'm a little more mixed on, but Carrie Mulligan is phenomenal. She is like full on actorly going for it. And I think the mark of a really good actor is one who can merge the kind of heightened exaggeration with grounded realism and make it all come together and make it seem real. And she absolutely does that to a T in this movie. I mean, even all her expressions, out of context, it looks so exaggerated and bad. But within the movie, it just totally works. I think she is just outstanding in this movie. Um... And he's all right. He never fully disappeared for me. But yeah, I felt like I didn't learn anything about um, Bernstein. But I also didn't want this movie to be just a Wikipedia article of like, here's his whole life. So I kind of left a little bit empty. But it's definitely not without its positives. Next up, hard turn to No Hard Feelings. 2023 marked the return of the raunchy comedy. Great breakthrough performance for the kid. And then a great, committed, full-on movie star performance from Jennifer Lawrence. She kills it. Um, I really liked this one. I thought it was funny. And it's exactly the type of comedy we've been missing. So I enjoyed No Hard Feelings. Wonka. Speaking of movie stars, um, Chalamet. I don't know. I felt he was miscast. But he did the best that he could. I thought he was, interestingly enough, like, He was as good as he could be in the role being miscast, if that makes sense. But overall, Wonka, I thought it was cute Paul King. Um, I enjoyed it. It was clever. There were some good songs. It's just kind of weird. It has this weird status as a Wonka movie. Like, it just completely removes any of the edge or darkness from the original. And I just don't know how it stands as a movie about Willy Wonka. Like, none of that really works, but just as a fun, cute family movie, it works. The Little Mermaid, um, this is just another Disney remake. Like every other Disney remake, um, it just recalls the original and makes you wish you were watching the original. And I really didn't like it. 
the only redeeming thing about this movie is Halle Bailey, who is fantastic as Ariel. Next up, Sanctuary, which was a festival movie. I guess it's technically a 2022 movie, but this is my list, so who cares? Um, This was awesome. One of the best scripts of the year. It's the story of the power dynamics between these two, and it's hilarious, and it's unpredictable, and it's a total roller coaster ride, and I was just grinning ear to ear. Um, The performances on both sides were amazing, but Margaret Qualley especially, that's a movie star right there. This is like a fantastic turn for her. And I'm excited to see what she does next. Um, the Flash. This was one I was really disappointed in. There was a really good, strong emotional core there that worked, but it was completely drowned out by just about everything else. There was like all these CGI abominations. This was just a really ugly looking movie overall. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. Next up, No One Will Save You. Um, this is a really solid thriller on Hulu. Definitely recommend this one. I thought it was great performance by Caitlin Deaver. Um, a good story about just kind of like overcoming trauma. I will say it's like a no dialogue movie. And at times that gets in the way of the story and it becomes a little bit gimmicky. But besides that, I really liked No One Will Save You. Next up, Passages. This is really good. Passages was one of those movies that threatened to be on my top 25, but just barely missed it. Um, This fits into the greater 2023 trend of like movies about art, movies about the artist and demystifying the artist. Um, Because it's really about this guy who just can't get his life in check. And the whole time you're like, come on, dude, get your stuff together. But he just cannot do it. Um, as he kind of goes through this love triangle. And it's super compelling, great performances, costume design. Um, Franz Rogowski is phenomenal in this movie. Ben Wishaw, um, I really, really liked it. Next up, Creed 3. Really solid blockbuster. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is a great director. I loved all his choices. I liked the anime stuff. I liked the cinematography. Um, Jonathan Majors is phenomenal in this movie um which makes it even worse that like come on dude like he just threw his career away and he deserves everything that's coming to him right now next up murder mystery 2 um this was just forgettable unfunny your typical netflix slop and that's all i'll say about that the creator i was really looking forward to this one technically very well made beautiful cinematography Great world building. Just the visual of the space station in that movie is really great. Um, I just felt the story wasn't great. I mean, they had Gemma Chan, one of my favorite actresses, and completely wasted her. Ken Watanabe is completely wasted. Allison Janney, though, is great, and she's utilized well. I liked her small part. Um, I just felt like this movie fell apart in the third act. I really liked the first two, didn't love the third act, but... I'm going to need to rewatch this one. Next up is Ghosted, the Anna de Armas, Chris Evans, Apple TV movie. This is another one of those like slop streaming movies that feels AI generated. This thing was just like putrid, like horrid in every single way. I thought this thing was like one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. I hated, hated Ghosted. Next up, A Disturbance in the Force. 
um, really fun Star Wars documentary about the Star Wars holiday special, the infamous Star Wars holiday special. I really like how this doc was funny and it made fun of the special as it should and as the special deserves, but it wasn't condescending and it didn't make fun to be mean spirited or cruel. It really did interrogate why and how did this thing get made and what was the context of this thing. And it really worked just as a documentary exploring that. Next up was Blackberry, another Apple one, I think. I might be wrong on that. Um, this was another kind of solid movie. Really enjoyed it. One of those kind of rise and falls of a company. Um, this thing is bolstered by its clever moments, some funny moments, by its performances. Um, Glenn Howerton specifically really, really elevates this thing and is a standout. Next up is The Marvels. Um, this is another one. I have really complex thoughts on this one because... I really like a lot of the ideas in this movie, the idea of like siphoning off resources to save the planet, the Kree planet. Um, on paper, this movie really works. This is like a great outline, but it's just in the execution that this thing completely falls flat. You could tell this thing was like hacked to bits, felt so choppy. Um, they were going for like fun and breezy and light and... I enjoyed it when that tone worked, but for the story and the scope of the story they're trying to tell, fun and breezy doesn't really work when you're telling this story. Just everything about this movie was light on development, from character development to the progression of you know their relationship, the central trio, to the villain who was completely underdone, underdeveloped, I thought, just a terrible, terrible villain. Um... I mean, this movie doesn't even commit to its fun stuff. Like, there's some good action sequences. That stuff works. The stuff with the cats, like, eating everyone, that was funny. That worked. But then, like, they go to the singing planet, and they don't even commit to that. Like, there's not even that much singing. And it's just doesn't work. Like, if you're going to do it, fully do it. Go for it. Don't just, like, water it down. And I was just disappointed by that. The Boys in the Boat, George Clooney movie. Solid, nothing special. This is kind of a dad movie. Um, just a solid, well-done sports movie. I really didn't have any issues with this. The Royal Hotel. This was kind of a thriller set in the Australian outback. I really liked this. Kind of a tone poem. There's not much detail there. Um, it is a little bit underdeveloped in areas, but I think the atmosphere of this movie and the feeling of this movie makes up for it. And I really liked The Royal Hotel. Next up, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Um, I talked about this one with Chris. Just did not like this one either. Failed completely that pulpy sci-fi tone. I get what they were going for. The Flash Gordon, Star Wars stuff. Just did not work at all. Um, Kang as the villain didn't work. I'm not going to spend the time on this one. I already reviewed it. Didn't like that. Theater Camp. This one was really fun. Um, it's a very specific style of humor, so you're either going to kind of get it and love it, or it just won't click for you. It did click for me. I thought it was hilarious. Um, Ayo Edebiri, phenomenal. I mean, the year she's had, um, just really funny stuff, and I really liked Theater Camp. The Unknown Country, this is another really beautiful, meditative, 
um, tone poem. This is another one about like overcoming grief. And this is just a showcase for Lily Gladstone. She is just unbelievable and great in this movie. And I really enjoyed it. Um, Next up, Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which I call the epitome of mediocre. Um, Didn't love it, but it did have good performances. I thought Michelle Yeoh was a standout. And um, that's all I have to say about that. Speaking of mediocre, the Super Mario Brothers movie, this was fine. I mean, it was a paint-by-numbers nostalgia grab. It doesn't really add anything or have anything interesting to say. Um, It's not particularly interesting or inventive or anything at all. It's kind of in one ear, out the other, but whatever. I enjoyed it. It's fine. Wow, we're on a bad run here. Heart of Stone was the Netflix movie with Gal Gadot. Um... This is another slop streaming movie. That kind of Netflix slop genre is becoming a genre of its own. It's just horrendous. This thing has no redeeming qualities. It looked like mud. So visually ugly. Um, Another AI written movie. Um, This is like Mission Impossible Light. This is even like Fast and Furious Light. And I, I hate the Fast and Furious franchise. So that means a lot coming from me. So didn't like that. Golda, I saw this one because it was nominated for makeup and hairstyling at the Oscars. Um, Another really kind of underdeveloped script, repetitive. There were some interesting stylistic moments and a solid performance by Helen Mirren. But overall, this wasn't great. um, And I was a little bored, honestly. Next up, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. This one also middling, boring. The buddy cop in this did not work for me. I don't know. The DCEU just completely went out with a whimper and uh, did not like that. Next up, Elemental. I talked about this one with Chris. Nice little Pixar rom-com. Really enjoyed it. I liked the immigrant allegory of it all. I liked the design, the animation. Enjoyed Elemental. Next up, Air. This is a standout. Um, This is one that should be or would be on my top 25 if this year wasn't so great. Um, Matt Damon kills it as the lead. He's really underrated. Everybody just takes him for granted, but he is a really, really great actor. He has a great monologue in this. Also, just the ensemble cast, Chris Messina, um, Jason Bateman, Ben Affleck, Viola Davis is really understated in this, and she's fantastic. Really, really liked the whole cast. The script was great. Um, it was hilarious. It was moving. Um, I never thought I'd care so much about a shoe. It was very sharp, witty, fast-paced, kind of rat-a-tat-tat, very Sorkin-light, but I don't mean that at all in a derogatory way. I think there are some scripts for some movies that try to emulate Sorkin that do sound bad and sound like a cheap knockoff, but this one managed to do it and sounded good and was a good script and did not at all fall into those categories so yeah air inspiring i thought it was powerful completely satisfying um probably the best brand movie of the year next up cocaine bear this is a movie with a great premise that it just does not live up to there's a couple standout moments here and there but overall eh, disappointing next up adam sandler you are not invited to my bat mitzvah um I mean, this was cute as well in moments, coming of age. 
It was cool to see him with his real life daughter. But I will say if you're looking for a good 2023 coming of age movie, there is one that is far superior that I will be talking about in my top 25. So listen to that. Next up, Society of the Snow. This one, fantastic movie. It's on Netflix right now. J.A. Bayona, the director, just killed this thing. It's harrowing. It's brutal. It's tense. Um, Obviously, like the visuals are pristine. It's the majesty of the wilderness juxtaposed against the horrors of humanity and what these people have to do to survive. And it really does explore those horrors, which I really liked. I will say the movie doesn't really follow one person. So it's a little bit hard to find your foothold in the story. But that's also by design because it's really about these people, not just one of them, but them as a community and how they survived. So I really liked Society of the Snow. It's not an easy watch, but I definitely recommend it. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I enjoyed this one. I thought in a lot of ways it was underdeveloped, but I liked more than I disliked. I think Harrison Ford is great. I think the ending really takes a big swing, the third act, that I actually really liked. I'll need to rewatch it to solidify my opinions, but I think I really liked it and I like how it ended. Um, Mads Mikkelsen, eh, I'm kind of like, okay, Hollywood, you're typecasting him as the villain again. I thought he was kind of not great in this movie, but I enjoyed this. I definitely need to revisit the whole franchise though, because I don't know how this competes with some of the other Indiana Jones movies. Um, Okay, 31 done. We've got a lot more to go. Let's keep going with Shazam! Fury of the Gods. This really was the year of the middling blockbuster, especially superhero movies. Um, I didn't love this thing. Something about it just didn't click with me. It had heart. It had solid action. It kind of had all the things. It ticked all the boxes. But it just didn't click. And I don't know what it was. Um, I didn't love Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Next up was Nyad, and this might be controversial because this movie, it got kind of a lukewarm critical reception, but I thought Nyad was honestly pretty terrible. I think the sports movie sense of accomplishment in the end, the triumphant, like she did it, which works and it gets me too, and it's a really effective moment, but I think the high of that moment really overshadows and clouds people's view of the whole movie because I think the movie is very very flawed I think it's full of stylistic flourishes and moments that just do not work at all I think Annette Bening I I thought she was pretty terrible like hilarious in all the wrong ways I think she was just like frankly just bad in one note and just not good in this movie Part of it's not her fault because she's just playing the character as Diana Nyad was. She was abrasive. She was like this. But the movie, the script really doesn't give her, doesn't do her any favors, doesn't give her any sort of dimension or richness or nuance in the characterization. And she's just really flat and it does not work at all. Um, I mean... The most scathing criticism about this movie is that I was cracking up at it in all the wrong ways. 
I was laughing at it, not with it. The one redeeming quality is Jodie Foster, who I think is really great in it. Next up, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I had no expectations for this. I did not like the trailers. I've never played the games. I'm not a Dungeons & Dragons guy. But this was really cute, really clever, charming. This is kind of what the model for blockbusters should be. Like, it's just a really fun, well-done movie. I actually highly recommend this movie. It was very good. Next up, Blue Beetle. Um, Another really cute, heartfelt one. Not as inventive or original as Dungeons & Dragons, but still fun. All the family stuff works. All the, like, kind of character stuff works. I think the superhero stuff, the DC stuff, um, is the weakness of this movie. Susan Sarandon as the villain is pretty bad. But, um, yeah, that's Blue Beetle. Next up, 1001. This was a really great movie. This was another one that threatened to be on my top 25. Um, Just a really effective gut-wrenching drama when the reveal happens you'll be shocked tayana taylor is phenomenal in this role one of the best performances of the year supremely underrecognized which is disappointing but yeah highly recommend a thousand and one it's great migration the illumination animated movie um it was clever cute good for kids nothing special the color purple was of course the big remake of the musical um this thing was great this one also threatened to be on my top 25 i thought it was really powerful it was emotional um the performances really carry this thing taraji p henson is phenomenal it is a big loud performance but really she shines in the quiet moments and the looks she gives and i think she's very good fantasia barino is solid as the lead Coleman Domingo's great. Danielle Brooks completely steals the show. Corey Hawkins. Um, I really, really liked The Color Purple. Next up, Eileen. This was another fun one. It's like this moody, atmospheric, um, psychological, thriller-ish movie where you think it's going in one direction and then it completely turns on its head and just goes the other way. And I really liked this one. I thought it was super effective and um, really enjoyed Eileen. Rustin, the Netflix movie. This was another just really trite biopic. Um, See, that's a problem. With something like Maestro, it took a big swing and tried to do something different for a biopic, which I like, but it didn't fully work. And then this is the other side of the coin, where it is just your full-on traditional biopic, and it also doesn't work at all. Um, it's just really visually ugly. The redeeming quality of this movie is Coleman Domingo. He is fantastic in this thing, and I'm so glad he's getting recognized. But um, yeah, he's the only reason to watch this movie. Next up, documentary, 20 Days in Mariupol. This thing is, I mean, I hate to say it, but this is a really important documentary. It pulls no punches. It's effective. It's a really tough watch. It's pretty horrifying, but very good. Um, If you don't know, this is about uh, Russia's siege on Ukraine, the invasion, and it focuses on these reporters in the city of Mariupol. Um, And it's horrifying, but it's just like great documentary filmmaking. Next up, 
The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Um, this was a solid adaptation of the book. Well made. I really liked it. Um, it doesn't really ever get to like great or amazing for me, but just overall very good. Next up, Nimona. This is one of the best animated movies of the year. Um, it's inventive. It's funny. It's got this emotional gut punch. I thought this thing was fantastic, and I highly recommend Nimona. Next up is Bo is Afraid. This is the new Ari Aster. And this one was fascinating. I think there are sequences in this movie that are like jaw-droppingly incredible. The opening, um, when he becomes, when Joaquin becomes like a part of the play, like all that stuff is really, really good. And this movie, more than anything else I've ever seen, captures the feeling of anxiety. But this is way too long. It's a really tough watch for three hours. And it really overstayed its welcome. And by the end, I was like, okay, let's get this over with. So mixed feelings on Bo is Afraid. If this was maybe even half an hour shorter, it may have been in my top 25. Um, A Haunting in Venice was the newest of the Kenneth Branagh Poirot movies. And I just hope he keeps pumping these out forever. This is awesome. Um, This is actually the best of the trilogy. I think Branagh is fantastic. There's a lot of like real, genuine, introspective development of his character, which I really liked. Um, Michelle Yeoh was the standout. I thought she just killed it in the couple minutes of this movie she was in. She just fully went for it, and it really worked. This thing, the horror vibes, this was just beautifully shot. Um, one of the most stunning movies of the year, like the gothic horror. The Dutch angles in this thing are just so beautiful, and just I ate up every single Dutch angle. I can't wait to rewatch this one. I'm really looking forward to revisiting this. Um, really, really liked A Haunting in Venice. The only thing I will say against it is that Tina Fey felt miscast. Um, But that's one tiny little issue. Really loved this movie. Another documentary, Bobby Wine, The People's President. This was solid. I really enjoyed learning about the Ugandan political situation. I liked the framing of the music and how Bobby Wine uses the music. Um, Really inspiring, solid stuff. Polite Society, um, another really fun, inventive action movie. Very compelling, great performances. The standout of this one is Nimra Butra. Next up, The Eternal Memory. This is another of the Oscar-nominated documentaries. And this thing was heartbreaking. It's this portrait of this couple. Um, One of them, the husband, has Alzheimer's, dementia, and seeing his decline and yet their relationship it's beautiful it's completely soul crushing as you would expect it really hits all those emotions um this was great i really really enjoyed the eternal memory chilean movie i think highly recommend this one next up is another one i highly recommend rye lane um this was fantastic kind of an underappreciated rom-com from this year or last year directorially rain allen miller killed it this thing has a super strong voice it's got this like really youthful energetic vibe 
Um, it's vibrant. It's colorful. The visuals, the humor, um, it's clever. It's short. It's only like 80 minutes, which is really nice. The performances of the two leads are phenomenal. Um, their chemistry is great. You really buy them as a couple. You root for them. You want them to be together. And then this movie understands one of the core tenets, one of the best and most important things that rom-coms do, which is the city or the location of the rom-com is a character in the story and is fundamental to the story. And London in this movie is totally a character. This thing is distinctly, not that I would know, but from what I can tell, it's very distinctly London. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that specificity. Okay, um, we've got about 10 left. Let's get through this. Um, they Clone Tyrone, Netflix movie. Another debut, really strong directorial voice. Very funny, um, great. The the trio of John Boyega, Tayana Paris, and, um, and Jamie Foxx are really great together. Their chemistry was really great. And I just thought this was a really compelling story. So I highly recommend They Clone Tyrone. Next up, El Conde. This is the new Pablo Lorraine. I really like the premise of this movie. I love the cinematography. This thing was beautiful. The performances were great. It was really darkly funny and just interesting. Um, I don't know a lot about the history, so I feel a little bit unequipped to comment on this one. But I really did enjoy it. And I'm, I've been reading other people's analysis um, of this movie. And it's super interesting. I really liked El Conde. Next up, another kind of company rise and fall. Um, Pain Hustlers on Netflix. This is the worst version. I thought, just not good. Trite. Um, Emily Blunt is the only good thing about this movie. Otherwise, it just plays like a discount version of like Wolf of Wall Street or something. This thing wasn't good. Next up, Joyride, another raunchy comedy. I thought this was really funny, great cast, really enjoyed it. Not much else to say. Um, origin, I would just refer you for this one to my review. I think the good was the the swing they took. It was bold, it was ambitious, it was beautifully made. Um, it was mostly compelling, well-performed, but overly long, didactic. Um, I had issues with the theme or what this movie was trying to contribute to the conversation. And I ended up a little bit cold on Origin, even though it has a lot of positives. Next up, Fast and Furious 10. Um, I hate this franchise. I just can't stand it. Like... It's really interesting because both this franchise and Mission Impossible fully embrace the cartoonish, the Charlie Chaplin, the just going for it, bonkers, no reality, ridiculousness of action. And for some reason, and I don't know what it is, um, Mission Impossible really, really works for me and Fast and Furious does not at all. Maybe it's because Fast and Furious goes too far and there's no stakes. Or maybe it's because I just don't care about the characters, whereas I care about them in Mission Impossible. I don't know what it is, but I could not stand Fast 10. Uh, Bottoms, 
is really hilarious. I loved the heightened reality of this movie. I loved the story. I mean, in the end, like they just go around and they're literally murdering football players. It's awesome. The emotional core of the friendship between Ayo Edebiri and Rachel Sennett is really good. They're both fantastic. Um, this was hilarious. Really liked Bonhams. Um, what else? Saltburn. Um, on a purely visual level, this thing was super well made, well directed. I really did enjoy it on that purely visual feeling atmospheric level i thought it was genuinely really funny there were a lot of good performances i just think the fundamental failing of the movie is that it presents itself as some sort of class commentary and it's just a thematic mess and it does not work at all on that level and completely falls apart Um, and then there's also a horrendous third act twist that I hated. Um, so I liked Saltburn, but I didn't love it. There's also Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And all the stuff that's good about the first two Guardians of the Galaxy is good about Volume 3. Um, all that stuff is the same. Performances, everything. Just that was good about the first two is good with this one. Um... I really liked focusing on Rocket and learning more about his story, how he was kind of the heart of this movie. I liked High Evolutionary. Um, Really, the highlight of this movie is the ending. I think just that scene with Dog Days Are Over, when everybody's dancing, um, and then everybody splits up, and then the endings each individual character gets, they're just perfect. Um, James Gunn, perfectly landed the plane on each one of their stories from Peter Quill going back to earth to, you know, Mantis and Drax um, saying goodbye to rocket leading the new team to even like taking um, Gamora and Peter. And instead of, you know, bringing them back together, going the more mature route and then having them say goodbye at the end was just really effective And just like the last five minutes of this movie is maybe my favorite or it's up there for my favorite five minutes of any movie from this year or from 2023. Um, I loved Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. This thing was absolutely delightful. This is by far the best Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It totally captures their essence. It captures what all these other adaptations have failed to capture their teenagers, their kids um, from the voice actors to the story. This thing really captured that. Um, I highly recommend this movie really, really funny, clever, beautifully animated, really enjoyed it. You got fair play, which similarly to sanctuary, which we talked about earlier is a thriller about like gender dynamics and power dynamics. Um, This thing is not as good as Sanctuary, but it's still very good. Really liked it. Great performances. The way this thing kind of escalates, 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 escalates until the last bit when it's on full throttle is really effective. And I really liked it. We've got um, Beyond Utopia, which is a documentary about North Korea. This thing is really good, really harrowing. And the thing that really struck me the most, I would say 
is the programming in North Korea and how these people that are trying to escape the country, um, they still love Kim Jong-un and they don't blame him at all for any of the reasons why they want to escape. And they still see him as, you know, this um, amazing leader. And that's just how strong the programming is. And it's scary and it's impactful. And that really stuck with me. Okay, final two movies. Um, Napoleon. I have mixed feelings. Visually, this movie was like a feast. The production design, the costume design, the cinematography of this movie. Like, I could just watch this for hours. Every frame was like a painting. It was unbelievable. Um, Just on that level of seeing cool things on screen, I thought this thing was just incredible. Um, Vanessa Kirby is fantastic as Josephine. Um, Joaquin, he's doing his Joaquin thing where it's a very, like, interior performance. I just don't know how I felt about the characterization of Napoleon. Um, I didn't get enough sense of really who he is or what he wanted. Um, This movie is really two. There's two strands. There's the romance and the twisted relationship between these two. And then there's Napoleon, the leader. And they felt very disconnected. And I want to see the version of this movie where the two are more connected and we see how one affects the other and really who this guy is and how much of him was governed by his relationship with Josephine. And I do feel like the longer cut of this movie will be a lot better once those two things are linked and directly correlated a little better. I will say also the battle scenes, what was there was just incredible. Nobody is doing it like Ridley Scott is. Stuff like the whole ice battle um, where we're under the ice, we're in the water, and we're just seeing the bodies falling. That is just A-plus, top-tier filmmaking. The movie has some really high highs. I just wish the whole thing kind of um, met that level. Last but not least, my voice is tired, but we made it. The 63rd movie, um, Leave the World Behind. This is the Netflix thriller. I saw this recently. I thought this was a really effective thriller. I really enjoyed it. Lots of great sequences, great scenes. Um, My main issue with it is stylistically, I think it's complete overkill. I think a lot of the choices really detract. Um, For example, when the shrieking noise comes in and Julia Roberts gets up and the camera kind of spins around from an overhead shot and follows her. Um, that kind of choice would be fantastic and disorienting and phenomenal if we hadn't already seen it like 17 times. I feel like they overused the camera motion and all that stuff so much that it lost its effectiveness, it lost its impact, and I couldn't help but imagine how much better it would have been if they were a little bit more conservative with moving that camera. Um, Other than that, really enjoyed it. Um, There was some heavy-handed exposition. There were some little script things that didn't fully work. I do feel like the reveal that, like, this is a civil war came way too late, 
and it was something that was pretty obvious to any astute viewer. So I didn't love that. But other than that, I really liked it. Um, I do think thematically it doesn't really work. Like, what was this movie really about? Um, in the beginning, like, it, there's some cool evidence for it to be kind of a climate change allegory. But it doesn't fully follow through. Um, it's kind of a hollow movie. It's actually similar to Saltburn in that way. Not nearly as hollow as Saltburn, but just a really enjoyable, well-made movie that doesn't really have much or as much as it thinks going on underneath. And with that, we've made it. Those are all the 2023 movies I've seen that will not be appearing on my top 25 list. Um, by the time you're listening to this, I'll have probably seen like eight more 2023 movies, but whatever. This is just a snapshot of time. Um, let me know. What did you think of these movies? What did I miss? What did I get wrong? Um, let me know in the voicemail, the form, or the email. All those are in the description. Look out for my top 25 coming in the next few weeks. And um, thank you so much for listening and have a good day.